wonderful people and welcome back to Sidecar Stories. My name is Sam, but y'all probably already know that at this point. If you're hanging with me here tonight, then you know where to find me. You know what I'm up to. You know that uh, I'm going to just go ahead and fiddle with this webcam for about 45 minutes before we get started here. It's going to be great. This is wild. I had it I had it so I had it so well fixed up and now it looks like I've got a crazy halo. That's all right. Oh, community day on Pokemon Go was postponed. I see. That's too bad. Yeah, I think um beep beep. I think here in California we've had some uh I think there's been a a ban on public gatherings. Not ideal. Mr. Foose is in here hanging with us. It's got some uh, got some names that I haven't heard from in a while. Ash and Mr. Foose. Mr. Foose says, I love it. It's been genuinely amazing to watch you grow and cheer you on. Thanks for sharing the schedule. I <laughs> should have already known about it, he says. Yeah, I put uh, I put my schedule um, in the uh, in the mixer chat, but I've also got that up on the Discord. It's just the schedule channel up there. Um, it's great to see you guys. Great to see all y'all. Tybo, hello. Michelle, hello. How's it going? Coop, good to see you as always. Coop, Rachel, yeah, who's who's here in the live stream? Uh, we've got in Discord, we've got Debbie, Doc, Jade, Dragon, Ash, uh, Coop, MMP, uh, Psychobabble, Rachel, Scuba Steve, and my own sweet self. So, for anyone who's new, you don't know what's coming next, but I do. Today, we are going to do chapter 32 of Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix. As usual, we're going to go through our quick review of our previous chapter, and then we're going to jump in and do our chapter. Um, I have got, I've got a lot riding on tonight. This is one of my favorite books. I don't know if y'all remember, but I've mentioned this before. Uh, book five is one of my very favorite books. It really takes us out into the world of Harry Potter beyond just the school. You know, we've seen a little bit from, you know, St. Mungo's. We've seen a little bit from, a little bit more from Hogsmeade than ever before. Uh, we've seen uh, more about the Ministry of Magic than we ever knew before. And now, well, now we know more about the Ministry of Magic than most people in the magical world even know. So, let's dig in, shall we? Okay, so, chapter 31. Where did we start? Gotta pull up my, uh, my tab really quick. Okay, chapter 31, OWLs. So, who remembers? I think I started doing this last week. Who remembers what we covered last time? I want to hear it from chat. Give me the main points. I enjoyed this last time. It's our very first time. It reminds me of a... Uh, of you know running games like uh like dungeon world actually all right everybody what did we do last time yep jade dragon in discord swinging in with the headliner they attacked hagrid in the night yep this was during owls mmp has got that one right so owls ordinary wizarding levels um these are the tests that uh basically all of your 50 year students have to participate in and however well you do that determines how well you might be able to proceed in that subject in the future um, we know that harry as somebody who wants to be an auror he's really going to have to perform particularly well in a lot of his subjects uh, fortunately divination is not on that list but potions certainly is as he goes through these tests it seems like he's doing fairly well to be honest <laughs> rachel says umbridge bad and uh coop and ash have made note that uh McGonagall has has been injured here. 
Yep, Jade Dragon says Harry aced his defense against the dark arts test. Yep, he's had a chance to. Uh, we <laughs> we've met a new wizard, one of the test givers, um, a wizard named um, Professor Tofty, and I believe y'all assigned him the my you you assigned him my terrible Christopher Walken impression. So uh, don't worry, we've got a little bit more of that this week. Never you fear. Um, but yeah, he's going. Harry's going through his tests and realizing he's doing a little bit better than he anticipated doing pretty well he blows uh christopher fallen i forgot <laughs> christopher stopping from last week forgot about that idea um but uh, he's doing pretty well in his subjects he's doing much better than he anticipated even in potions it turns out when when uh, snape isn't looming over him he's actually a decent potion maker and neville is the most relaxed he's been in months um and Harry is, of course, very pleased to see that there are other students, especially those who have been part of the DA, Dumbledore's army, who he's been giving lessons to. They're doing much better in Defense Against the Dark Arts, um, OWLs, than some of the other students. So that's been pleasing for him. Um, now, we get to uh, we get to one of the last exams. It's the Astral... Ooh, boy. I think it's astronomy, but <laughs> I don't know... Um, I don't know if y'all are tuned in over there, but now you've got me all goofed up about it because this is one scenario where it could be astronomy or astrology. Does anybody else remember? Also, somebody else corrected me. Um, uh, Dawlish wasn't the the um, the uh, Death Eater. Um, Dawlish wasn't the though the Executioner. That was somebody else. Somebody on um, on on the YouTube comments was able to correct me about that. Dawlish is a different dude. Uh, astronomy. Yep, astronomy. Okay. So, the astronomy tower. Um, they're up there, they're taking the exam, and suddenly they hear from out on the grounds, out near Hagrid's hut, there's a battle going on. And it turns out Umbridge has tried to bring in ministry officials to take Hagrid and uh, sneak him off away from school. Because apparently, you know, other students are theorizing they don't want another scene like they had with um, with Umbridge, excuse me, with, um, with Professor Trelawney, that sort of thing. And uh, so they're trying to do it under cover of night. Um, Michelle coming in with the with uh, McNair. Thank you very much. McNair is the uh, the one I got confused for Dawlish last week. Um, but they're trying to get Hagrid away from the school. They're trying to uh, basically t remove him from his teaching position forcefully. They sneak up and try to ambush him in his hut, uh, but he manages to fight them off. Although in the middle of this fight. Um, Professor McGonagall rushes out and starts yelling at them and, and uh, trying to stop them from attacking Hagrid and she takes four stun spells to the chest and uh, a couple of the students have commented she's not a young woman so they're hoping we're hoping she's all right um, the night ends with uh, Hagrid escaping into the forest with an unconscious fang you know thrown across his shoulders low down cheaters says Jade Dragon could not be more right. Now, finally, our chapter ends with uh, a final exam. Everyone is reeling from the night before, but they've got their final exam uh, of their OWLs, and Harry, uh, unfortunately, starts to fall asleep during this. He starts to fall asleep during his test. Now, we know what happens when Harry starts to fall asleep these days. He has been having visions of what Voldemort is up to, and in this vision, he sees Voldemort is in the Department of Mysteries at the Ministry of Magic, and he's got Sirius Black. 
He's torturing Sirius Black for information, and then he's going to kill him. And that is where we ended our last chapter. So, ladies, gentlemen, everyone in between, I hope that you enjoyed today's chapter. I'm very excited. Um, we are right here at the toward the end of, of book five, my favorite book in the series. So let's try to do it justice. I don't have any water yet, so I'm going to have to go grab some. But as usual, please, if you have anything that you want to talk about from the chapter, any questions, any concerns, anything you find interesting, go ahead and put it in chat. I would love to talk about it. We'll circle back to it either during one of our chapter breaks or at the end of the chapter. We'll talk about it then. So I'm going to go grab some water. I will be right back think less than less than a minute ideally and then we'll get started with our chapter okay bye-bye just a moment and we are back all right everyone buckle up chapter 32 we're deep in it now so my roommates are watching tonight <laughs> which is pretty wild but hey folks hope you're doing well. Yeah, I heard him. I can hear him in the other room hollering at me. All right, here we go. Chapter 32. Out of the fire. I'm not going... I, I don't need the hospital wing. I don't want... He was gibbering as he tried to pull away from Professor Tofty, who was looking at Harry with much concern after helping him out into the entrance hall with the students all around them, staring. I'm... I'm fine, sir, Harry stammered, wiping the sweat from his face. Really, I, I just fell asleep. I had a nightmare. There we go. Y'all ready for... I believe this is the tail end of our experience with bad, bad, uh, Professor Walken. The pressure of examinations, said the old wizard sympathetically, patting Harry shakily on the shoulder. It happens, young man, it happens. Now, a cooling drink of water, and perhaps you'll be ready to return to the Great Hall. The examination is nearly over, but you may be able to round off your last answer nicely. Yes, said Harry wildly. I mean, no, I'm, I'm done. I've done as much as I can, I think. Very well, very well, said the old wizard gently. I'll go and collect your examination paper, and I suggest you go and have a nice lie down. I'll do that, said Harry, nodding vigorously. Thanks very much. The second that the old man's heels disappeared over the threshold into the great hall, Harry ran up the marble staircase, hurtled along the corridors so fast the portraits he passed muttered reproaches, up more flights of stairs, and finally burst like a hurricane through the double doors into the hospital wing, causing Madame Pomfrey, who had been spooning some bright blue liquid into Montague's open mouth, to shriek in alarm. Potter, what do you think you're doing? I need to see Professor McGonagall, gasped Harry, the breath tearing his lungs. Now, it's urgent. She's not here, Potter, said Madame Pomfrey sadly. She was transferred to St. Mungo's this morning. Four stunning spells straight to the chest at her age. It's a wonder they didn't kill her. She's gone, said Harry, shocked. The bell rang just outside the dormitory, and he heard the usual distant rumbling of students starting to flood out into the corridors, above and below him. He remained quite still, looking at Madame Pomfrey. Terror was rising inside him. There was nobody left to tell. 
Dumbledore had gone. Hagrid had gone, but he had always expected Professor McGonagall to be there, irascible and inflexible perhaps, but always dependably, solidly present. I don't wonder that you're shocked, Potter, said Madame Pomfrey, with a kind of fierce approval in her face. As if one of them could have stunned Minerva McGonagall face on by daylight. Cowardice, that's what it was. Despicable cowardice. If I wasn't worried, what would happen to you students without me? I would resign in protest. Yes, said Harry blankly. He wheeled around and strode blindly from the hospital wing into the teeming corridor where he stood, buffeted by the crowd, panic expanding inside him like poison gas, so that his head swam and he could not think of what to do. Ron and Hermione, said a voice in his head. He was running again, pushing students out of the way, oblivious to their angry protests. He sprinted back down two floors and was at the top of the marble staircase when he saw them hurrying toward him. Harry, said Hermione at once, looking very frightened. What happened? Are you all right? Are you ill? Where have you been? demanded Ron. Come with me, said Harry quickly. Come on, I've got to tell you something. He led them along the first floor corridor, peering through doorways, and at last found an empty classroom into which he dived, closing the door behind Ron and Hermione the moment they were inside, and leaned against it, facing them. Voldemort has got serious. What? Oh, do you... I saw it just now, when I was asleep in my exam. But... but where? How? said Hermione, whose face was white. I don't know how, said Harry, but I know exactly where. There's a room in the Department of Mysteries, full of shelves covered in these little glass balls, and they're at the end of row 97. He's trying to use Sirius to get whatever it is that he wants from in there. He's torturing him. He says he'll end by killing him. Harry found that his voice was shaking, as were his knees. He moved over to a desk and sat down at it, trying to master himself. How are we going to get there? There was a moment's silence. Then Ron said, Get there? Get to the Department of Mysteries so we can rescue Sirius, Harry said loudly. But, Harry, <laughs> said Ron weakly. What? What? said Harry. He couldn't understand why they were both gaping at him as though he were asking them something unreasonable. Harry, said Hermione in a rather frightened voice. Um, how, how did Voldemort get into the Ministry of Magic without anyone realizing he was there? How do I know, bellowed Harry. The question is how we're going to get in there. But, Harry, think about this, said Hermione, taking a step toward him. It's five o'clock in the afternoon. The Ministry of Magic must be full of workers. How would Voldemort and Sirius have got in without being seen? Harry, they're probably the two most wanted wizards in the world. You think they could get into a building full of auras undetected? I don't know. Voldemort used an invisibility cloak or something, Harry shouted. Anyway, the Department of Mysteries has always been completely empty. Whenever I've seen... You've never even been there, Harry, said Hermione quietly. You've dreamed about the place, that's all. They're not normal dreams, Harry shouted in her face, standing up and taking a step closer to her in turn. He wanted to shake her. 
How do you explain Ron's dad then? What was that all about? How come I knew what was happening to him then? He's got a point, said Ron quietly, looking at Hermione. But this is just... it sounds unlikely, said Hermione desperately. Harry, how on earth would Voldemort have got hold of Sirius when he's been in Grimoire Place all the time? Sirius might have cracked. Just wanted some fresh air, said Ron, sounding worried. He's been desperate to get out of that house for ages. But why? Hermione persisted. Why on earth would Voldemort want to use Sirius to get to the weapon or whatever the thing is? I don't know. There could be loads of reasons. Harry yelled at her. Maybe Sirius is just someone Voldemort doesn't care about seeing hurt. You know what? I've just saw for something, said Ron in a hushed voice. Sirius's brother was a Death Eater, wasn't he? Maybe he told Sirius how to get the weapon. The secret. Yeah, and that's why Dumbledore has been so keen to keep Sirius locked up all the time, said Harry. Look, I'm sorry, cried Hermione, but neither of you is making any sense and we've got no proof for any of this. No proof Voldemort and Sirius are even there. Hermione, had he seen them, said Ron, rounding on her. Okay, she said, looking frightened yet determined. I've just got to say this. What? You... This isn't a criticism, Harry, but you do... Sort of. I mean, don't you think you've got a bit of a... A saving people thing? She said. He glared at her. And what is that supposed to mean, a saving people thing? Well, you... She looked more apprehensive than ever. I mean, last year, for instance, in the lake, during the tournament, you shouldn't have... I mean, you didn't need to save that little Delacour girl. You got a bit carried away. A wave of hot, prickly anger swept through Harry's body. How could she remind him of that blunder now? I mean, it was really great of you and everything, said Hermione quickly looking positively petrified at the look on Harry's face. Everyone thought it was a wonderful thing to do. That's funny, said Harry through gritted teeth, because I definitely remember Ron saying I'd wasted time acting the hero. Is that what you think this is? Do you reckon that I want to act the hero again? No, 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 said Hermione, looking aghast. That's not what I mean at all. Well, spit out what you've got to say, because we are wasting time here, Harry shouted. What I'm trying to say... But Voldemort knows you, Harry. He took Ginny down into the Chamber of Secrets to lure you there. It's the kind of thing he does. You know that you're... You're the person who would go to Sirius's aid. What if he's just trying to get you into the Department of Mr... Hermione, it doesn't matter if he's done it to get me there or not. They've taken McGonagall to St. Mungo's. There isn't anyone left from the Order, left at Hogwarts, that we can tell. And if we don't go, Sirius is dead. But Harry, what if your dream was... Just that, a dream. Harry let out a roar of frustration. Hermione actually stepped back from him, looking alarmed. You don't get it, Harry shouted at her. I'm not having nightmares. I'm not just dreaming. What do you think all the occlumency was for? What do you think Dumbledore wanted me prevented from seeing these things? Because they're real. Hermione, Sirius is trapped. I've seen him. Voldemort's got him and no one else knows. And that means that we're the only ones who can save him. And if you don't want to do it, fine, but I'm going. Understand? 
And if I remember rightly, you didn't have a problem with my saving people thing when it was you that I was saving from the Dementors, or, he rounded on Ron, when it was your sister that I was saving from the Basilisk. I never said that I had the problem, said Ron heatedly. But Harry, you've just said it, said Hermione fiercely. Dumbledore wanted you to learn to shut these things out of your mind. If you'd done your occlumency properly, you'd never have seen this. If you think I'm just going to act like I haven't seen... Sirius told you there was nothing more important than learning to close your mind. I expect he'd say something different if he knew what I would just... The classroom door opened. Harry, Ron, and Hermione whipped around. Ginny walked in, looking curious, closely followed by Luna, who, as usual, looked as though she had drifted in accidentally. Hi, said Ginny uncertainly. We recognize Harry's voice. What are you yelling about? Never you mind, said Harry roughly. Ginny raised her eyebrows. Don't need to take that tone with me, she said coolly. I was only wondering whether I could help. Well, you can't, said Harry shortly. Mm, you're being rather rude, you know, said Luna serenely. Harry swore and turned away. The very last thing he wanted right now was a conversation with Luna Lovegood. Wait, said Hermione suddenly. Wait, Harry, they can help. Harry and Ron looked at her. Listen, she said urgently. Harry, we need to establish whether Sirius really has left the headquarters. I told you, I saw. Harry, please, I'm begging you, please, said Hermione desperately. Let's just please check that Sirius isn't home before we go charging off to London. If we find out that he's not there, then I swear I won't try to stop you. I'll come with. I'll, I'll do whatever it takes to try and save him. Sirius is being tortured now, shouted Harry. We haven't got time to waste. But if this is a trick of Voldemort's Harry, we've got to check. We've got to. How? Harry demanded. How are we going to check? We'll have to use Umbridge's fire to see if we can contact him, said Hermione, who looked positively terrified at the thought. We'll draw Umbridge away again, but we'll need lookouts, and that's where we can use Ginny and Luna. Though clearly struggling to understand what was going on, Ginny said immediately, Yeah, we'll do it. And Luna said, When you say serious, are you talking about Stubby Boardman? Nobody answered her. Okay, Harry said aggressively to Hermione. Okay, if you think that there's a way to do this quickly, I'm with you. Otherwise, I'm going to the Department of Mysteries right now. The Department of Mysteries? Said Luna, looking mildly surprised. How are you going to get there? Again, Harry ignored her. Right, said Hermione, twisting her hands together and pacing up and down between the desks. Right, well... One of us has got to go find Umbridge and send her off in the wrong direction to keep her away from the office. They could tell her, I don't know, that Peeves is up to something awful as usual. I'll do it, said Ron at once. I'll tell her that Peeves is smashing up the transfiguration department or something. It's miles away from her office. Come to think of it, I could probably persuade Peeves to do it if I met him on the way. It was a mark of the seriousness of the situation that Hermione made no objection to the smashing up of the Transfiguration Department. Okay, she said, her brow furrowed as she continued to pace. Now we need to keep students right away from her office while we force entry, otherwise some Slytherin is bound to tip her off. Luna and I can go stand at either end of the corridor, said Ginny promptly, and warn people not to go down there because someone's let off a load of garrotting gas. 
Hermione looked surprised at the readiness with which Ginny had come up with this lie. Ginny shrugged and said, Fred and George were planning to do it before they left. Okay, said Hermione. Well then, Harry, you and I will be under the invisibility cloak and we'll sneak into the office and you can talk to Sirius. He's not there, Hermione. I mean, you can you can check whether Sirius is at home or not while I keep watch. I don't think you should be in there alone. Lee has already proved that the windows are a weak spot, sending those nifflers through it. Even through his anger and impatience, Harry recognized Hermione's offer to accompany him into Umbridge's office was a sign of solidarity and loyalty. I... okay. Thanks, he muttered. Right, well, even if we do all of that, I don't think we're going to be able to bank on more than five minutes, said Hermione, looking relieved that Harry seemed to have accepted the plan. Not with Filch and the inquisitorial squad, that wretched... floating around. Five minutes will be enough, said Harry. Come on, let's go. Now? said Hermione, looking shocked. Of course now, said Harry angrily. What do you think? We're going to wait until after dinner or something? Hermione, Sirius is being tortured right now. I... Oh, all right, she said desperately. You go and get the invisibility cloak and we'll meet you at the end of Umbridge's corridor, okay? Harry didn't answer, but flung himself out of the room and began to fight his way through the milling crowds outside. Two floors up, he met Seamus and Dean, who hailed him jovially and told him that they were planning a dusk-until-dawn end-of-exams celebration in the common room. Harry barely heard them. He scrambled through the portrait hole where they were still arguing about how many black market butterbeers they would need, and was climbing out of it, the invisibility cloak and Sirius's knife secured in his bag, before they had noticed he had left them. Harry! Do you want to jib in a couple of galleons? Harold Dingle reckons he could sell us some fire whiskey. But Harry was already tearing back away along the corridor, and a couple of minutes later was jumping the last few stairs to join Ron, Hermione, Ginny, and Luna, who were all huddled together at the end of Umbridge's corridor. <sighs> Got it, he panted. Ready to go, then? All right, whispered Hermione, as a gang of loud sixth years passed them. So, Ron, you go and head Umbridge off. Luna, Ginny, if you can stop moving people out of the corridor, Harry and I will get the cloak and wait until the coast is clear. Ron strode away, his bright red hair visible right to the end of the passage. Meanwhile, Ginny's equally vivid head bobbed between the jostling students surrounding them in the other direction, trailed by Luna's blonde one. Get over here muttered Hermione, tucking at Harry's wrist and pulling him back into a recess where the ugly stone head of a medieval wizard stood muttering to itself in a column. Uh, are you sure that it's okay, Harry? You're still very pale. I'm fine, he said shortly, tucking the invisibility cloak from out of his bag. In truth, his scar was aching, but not so badly that he thought Voldemort had dealt Sirius a fatal blow. It had hurt much worse than this when Voldemort had been punishing Avery. Here, he said. He threw the invisibility cloak over both of them, and they stood listening carefully over the Latin mumblings of the bust in front of them. You can't come down here, Ginny was calling to the crowd. No, sorry, it's just going to have to go around the swiveling staircase. Someone's let off grotting gas just along here. They could hear people arguing. One surly voice said, I don't see no gas. That's because it's colourless, said Ginny in a convincingly exasperated tone. But 
If you want to walk through it, carry on. Then we'll have your body as proof for the next idiot who doesn't want to believe us. Slowly, the crowd thinned. The news about the garroting gas seemed to have spread. People were not coming this way anymore. When at last the surrounding area was quite clear, Hermione said quietly, I think that's as good as we're going to get, Harry. Come on, let's do it. They moved forward, covered by the cloak. Luna was standing with her back to them at the far end of the corridor. As they passed Ginny, Hermione whispered, Good one, don't forget the signal. What's the signal? muttered Harry as they approached Umbridge's door. A loud chorus of Weasley is our king if they see Umbridge coming, replied Hermione as Harry inserted the blade of Sirius's knife in the crack between the door and the wall. The lock clicked open and they entered the office. The garish kittens were basking in the late afternoon sunshine that was warming their plates, but otherwise the office was as still and unoccupied as last time. Hermione breathed a sigh of relief. Hmm. I thought she might have added extra security after the second niffler. They pulled off the cloak. Hermione hurried over to the window and stood out of sight, peering down into the grounds with her wand out. Harry dashed over to the fireplace, seized the pot of flue powder, and threw a pinch into the grate, causing emerald flames to burst into life there. He knelt down quickly, thrust his head into the dancing fire, and cried, Number twelve, grim old place! His head began to spin as though it had just got off a fairground ride, though his knees remained firmly planted on the cold office floor. He kept his eyes screwed up against the whirling ash where the spinning stopped, and he opened them and found himself looking out of the long, cold kitchen of Grimald Place. There was nobody there. He had expected this, yet was not prepared for the molten wave of dread and panic that seemed to burst through his stomach at the sight of the deserted room. Sirius! he shouted. Sirius, are you there? His voice echoed around the room. But there was no answer except a tiny scuffing sound to the right of the fire. Who's there? he called, wondering whether it was just a mouse. Creature the house elf crept into view. He looked highly delighted about something, though he seemed to have recently sustained a nasty injury to both hands, which were heavily bandaged. It's the Potter boy's head in the fire, Creature informed the empty kitchen, stealing furtive, oddly triumphant glances at Harry. What has he come for, Creature wonders? Where is Sirius, Creature? Harry demanded. The house elf gave a wheezy chuckle. <laughs> Master has gone out, Harry Potter. Where's he gone? Where's he gone, Creature? Creature merely cackled. <laughs> I'm warning you, said Harry, fully aware that his scope for inflicting punishment upon Creature was almost as non-existent in this position. What about Lupin, Mad-Eye? Any of them? Are any of them here? Nobody here but Creature said the elf gleefully, and turning away from Harry, he began to walk slowly toward the door at the end of the kitchen. 
creature thinks he will have a little chat with his headmistress now. Yes, he hasn't had a chance in a long time. Creature's master has been keeping him away from her. Where's Sirius gone? Harry yelled after the elf. Creature, has he gone to the Department of Mysteries? Creature stopped in his tracks. Harry could just make out the back of his bald head through the forest of chair legs before him. Master does not tell poor creature where he is going, said the elf quietly. But you know, shouted Harry, don't you? You know where he is. There was a moment of silence. And then the elf let out his loudest cackle yet. <laughs> Master will not come back from the Department of Mysteries, he said gleefully. Creature and his headmistress are alone again. And he scurried forward and disappeared through the door to the hall. You! But before he could utter a single curse or insult, Harry felt a great pain at the top of his head. He inhaled a lot of ash and, choking, found himself being dragged backward through the flame until with a horrible abruptness he was staring into the wide, pallid face of Professor Umbridge, who had dragged him backward out of the fire by the hair and was now bending his neck back as far as it would go, as though she were going to slit his throat. You think, she whispered, bending Harry's neck back even further so that he was looking up at the ceiling, that after two nifflers I was going to let one more foul, scavenging little creature enter my office without my knowledge. I had stealth censoring spells all around my doorway after the last one got in, you foolish boy! Take his wand! She barked at someone he could not see, and he felt a hand grope inside of his chest pocket and remove the wand. Hers, too. Harry heard a scuffle over by the door and knew that Hermione had also had her wand wrested from her. I want to know why you were in my office, said Umbridge, shaking the fist, clenching his hair so that he staggered. I was trying to get my firebolt. Harry croaked. Liar, she shook his head again. Your firebolt is under strict guard in the dungeons, as you very well know, Potter. You had your head in my fire. With whom have you been communicating? No one, said Harry, trying to pull away from her. He felt several hairs part company with his scalp. Liar, shouted Umbridge. She threw him from her and slammed into the, and he slammed into the desk. Oh boy. She threw him from her and he slammed into the desk. Now he could see Hermione pinioned against the wall by Millicent Bulstrode. Malfoy was leaning on the windowsill, smirking as he threw Harry's wand into the air, one-handed, and caught it again. There was a commotion outside, as several large Slytherins entered, each gripping Ron, Ginny, Luna, and, to Harry's bewilderment, Neville, who was trapped in a stranglehold by Crab and looked in imminent danger of suffocation. All four of them had been gagged. "'We got them all,' said Warrington, shoving Ron firmly against the broom. "'What?' <laughs> "'Shoving Ron roughly forward into the room.' There we go. That's the one. That one? He poked a thick finger at Neville. Tried to stop me taking her. 
He pointed at Ginny, who was trying to kick at the shins of the large Slytherin girl holding her. So I brought him along, too. Good. Good, said Umbridge, watching Ginny's struggles. Well, looks as though Hogwarts will shortly be a Weasley-free zone, doesn't it? Malfoy laughed loudly and sycophantically. Umbridge gave her a wide, complacent... Umbridge gave her wide, complacent smile and settled herself into a chintz-covered armchair, blinking up at her captives like a toad in a flower bed. So, Potter, she said, you stationed lookout around my office and you sent this buffoon, she nodded at Ron, Malfoy laughed even louder, to tell me that the poltergeist was wreaking havoc in the transfiguration department when I knew perfectly well he was busy smearing ink on the eyepieces of all the school telescopes. Mr. Filch, having just informed me so, clearly it was very important for you to talk to somebody. Was it Albus Dumbledore? Or the half-breed Hagrid? I doubt it was Minerva McGonagall. I hear she's still too ill to talk to anyone. Malfoy and a few of the other members of the Inquisitorial Squad laughed some more at that. Harry found he was so full of rage and hatred, he was shaking. It's none of your business who I talk to, he snarled. Umbridge's slack face seemed to tighten. Very well, she said in her most dangerous and falsely sweet voice. Very well, Mr. Potter. I offered you the chance to tell me freely. You refused. I have no alternative but to force you. Draco, fetch Professor Snape. Malfoy stowed Harry's wand inside his robes and left the room smirking. But Harry hardly noticed. He had just realized something. He could not believe he had been so stupid as to forget it. He had thought of all of the other members of the Order, all of the others who could help him to save Sirius. He thought they were gone. But he had been wrong. There was still a member of the Order of the Phoenix at Hogwarts. Snape. There was a silence in the office except for the fidgetings and scufflings resulting from the Slytherin's efforts to keep Ron and the others under control. Ron's lip was bleeding under Umbridge's carpet as he struggled against Warrington's half-Nelson. Ginny was still trying to stamp on the feet of the sixth-year girl who had both of her upper arms in a tight grip. Neville was turning steadily more purple in the face while tugging at Crab's arms, and Hermione was attempting, in vain, to throw Millicent Bulstrode off her. Luna, however, simply stood limply at the side of her captor, gazing vaguely out of the window as though bored by the proceedings. Harry looked back at Umbridge, who was watching him closely. He kept his face deliberately smooth and blank as the footsteps were heard out in the corridor, and Draco Malfoy entered the room, closely followed by Snape. You wanted to see me, headmistress, said Snape looking around at all the pairs of struggling students with an expression of complete indifference. Ah, Professor Snape, said Umbridge, smiling widely and standing up again. Yes, I would like another bottle of Veritas Serum as quick as you can, please. You took my last bottle to interrogate Potter, he said, 
surveying her coolly through his greasy curtains of black hair. Surely you did not use it all. I told you that three drops would be sufficient. Umbridge flushed. You can make some more, can't you? She said, her voice becoming more sweetly girlish as it always did when she was furious. Certainly, said Snape, his lip curling. It takes a full moon cycle to mature, so I should have it ready for you in just around a month. A month, squawked Umbridge, swelling toadishly. A month, but I need it this evening, Snape. I just found Potter using my fire to communicate with a person or persons unknown. Really, said Snape, showing his first faint sign of interest as he looked around at Harry. Well, it doesn't surprise me. Potter has never been much inclined to follow school rules. His cold, dark eyes were boring into Harry's. He met his gaze unflinchingly, concentrating hard on what he had seen in his dream, willing Snape to read it in his mind, to understand. I wish to interrogate him, repeated Umbridge angrily. As Snape looked away from Harry back into her furiously quivering face. I wish you to provide me with a potion that will force him to tell me the truth. I have already told you, said Snape smoothly, that I have no further stock of Veritaserum. Unless you wish to poison Potter, and I assure you I would have the greatest sympathy if you did. I cannot help you. The only trouble is that most venoms are too fast to give much time for truth-telling. Snape looked back at Harry, who stared at him, frantic to communicate without words. Voldemort's got serious in the Department of Mysteries, he thought desperately. Voldemort's got serious. You are on probation, shrieked Professor Umbridge, and Snape looked back at her, his eyebrows slightly raised. You are being deliberately unhelpful. I expected better, Lucius Malfoy always speaks most highly of you. Now get out of my office. Snape gave her an ironic bow and turned to leave. Harry knew his last chance of letting the Order know what was going on was walking out of the door. He's got Padfoot, he shouted. He's got Padfoot at the place where it's hidden. Snape stopped with his hand on Umbridge's door handle. Padfoot? cried Professor Umbridge, looking eagerly from Harry to Snape. What is Padfoot? Where, where is it hidden? What does it mean, Snape? Snape looked round at Harry. His face was inscrutable. Harry could not tell whether he had understood or not. But he dared not speak more plainly in front of Umbridge. I have no idea said Snape coldly. Potter, when I want nonsense shouted at me, I will give you a babbling beverage. And, Crab, loosen your hold a little. If Longbottom suffocates, it will mean a lot of tedious paperwork, and I am afraid I shall have to mention it in your reference if you ever apply for a job. He closed the door behind him with a snap, leaving Harry in a state of worse turmoil than before. Snape had been his very last hope. He looked at Umbridge, who was seeming to feel the same way. Her chest was heaving with rage and frustration. 
Very well, she said, and she pulled out her wand. Very well. I am left with no alternative. This is more than a matter of school discipline. This this is an issue of ministry security. Yes. Yes. She seemed to be talking herself into something. She was shifting her weight nervously from foot to foot, staring at Harry, beating her wand against her empty palm and breathing heavily. As he watched her, Harry felt horribly powerless without his own wand. You are forcing me, Potter. I do not want to, said Umbridge, still moving restlessly on the spot, but sometimes circumstances justify the use. I, I am sure the minister would understand that I had no choice. Malfoy was watching her with a hungry expression on his face. The Cruciatus curse ought to loosen your tongue, said Umbridge quietly. No, shrieked Hermione. Professor Umbridge, it's illegal. But Umbridge took no notice. There was a nasty, eager, excited look on her face that Harry had never seen before. She raised her wand. The minister wouldn't want you to break the law, Professor Umbridge, cried Hermione. What Cornelius doesn't know won't hurt him, said Umbridge, who was now panting slightly as she pointed her wand at different parts of Harry's body in turn, apparently trying to decide where it would hurt the most. He never knew I ordered Dementors to go after Potter last summer, but he was delighted to be given the chance to expel him all the same. It was you, gasped Harry. You sent the Dementors after me. Somebody had to act, breathed Umbridge, as her wand came to a rest pointing directly at Harry's forehead. They were all bleating about silencing you somehow, discrediting you. But I was the only one who actually did something about it. Only you wiggled out of that one, didn't you, Potter? Not today, though. Not now. And taking a deep breath, she cried, Cruz! No! shouted Hermione, and a cracked voice from behind Millicent Bulstrode. No, Harry, we'll have to tell her. No way! yelled Harry, staring at the little of Hermione that he could see. We'll have to, Harry. She'll force it out of you anyway. What's... what's the point? Hermione began to cry weakly into the back of Millicent Bulstrode's robes. Millicent stopped trying to squash her into the wall immediately began dodging out of her way, looking disgusted. Well, 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 said Umbridge, looking triumphant. Little Miss Question is going to give us some answers. Come on then, girl, come on. Hermione, no, shouted Ron through his gag. Ginny was staring at Hermione as though she had never seen her before. Neville, still choking for breath, was gazing at her too. But Harry had just noticed something. Though Hermione was sobbing desperately into her hands, there was no trace of a tear. I'm sorry, everyone, said Hermione, but I, I can't stand it. That's right, that's right, girl, said Umbridge, seizing Hermione by the shoulders, thrusting her into the abandoned chintz chair and leaning over her. 
Now then, whom was Potter communicating with just now? Well, Hermione gulped into her hands. He was trying to speak to Professor Dumbledore. Ron froze, his eyes wide. Ginny stopped trying to stamp on her Slytherin captor's toes. And even Luna looked mildly surprised. Fortunately, the attention of Umbridge and her minions was focused too exclusively upon Hermione to notice these suspicious signs. Dumbledore, said Umbridge eagerly. You'll know where Dumbledore is then. Well, no, sobbed Hermione. We've tried the leaky cauldron in Tycoon Alley and the three broomsticks and even the hawk's head. Idiot girl, Dumbledore won't be sitting in the pub when the whole ministry is looking for him, shouted Umbridge, disappointment etched in every sagging line of her face. But we need to tell him something important, wailed Hermione, holding her hands more tightly over her face. Not, Harry knew, out of anguish, but to disguise the continued absence of tears. What's ready? Oh, whoops. Yes, yes, said Umbridge with a sudden resurgence of excitement. What was it that you wanted to tell him? We wanted to tell him that it's ready, choked Hermione. What's ready? demanded Umbridge, and she grabbed Hermione's shoulders again and shook her slightly. What's ready, girl? Weapon, said Hermione. Weapon? Weapon, said Umbridge, her eyes seeming to pop with excitement. You have been developing some sort of, some method of resistance, a weapon that you could use against the Ministry. On Dumbledore's orders, of course. <laughs> yes, gasped Hermione, but we had to leave. He had to leave before it was finished, and now we've, we've finished it for him, and we can't find him to tell him. What kind of weapon is it? said Umbridge harshly, her stubby fingers still tight on Hermione's shoulders. We don't, don't really understand it, <laughs> said Hermione, sniffing loudly. We j just, just did what Professor Dumbledore told us to. Umbridge straightened up, looking exultant. Lead me to the weapon, she said. I'm not showing them, said Hermione shrilly, looking around at the Slytherins through her fingers. It is not for you to set conditions, said Umbridge harshly. Fine, said Hermione, now sobbing into her hands again. Fine, let them see it. I hope they use it on you. In fact, I hope you invite loads of people, loads and loads, to come see it. That would serve you right. Oh, I'd love it if the, the whole school knew where it was and how you how to use it, and then if any of... You annoy them, they'll be able to sort you out. These words had a powerful impact on Umbridge. She glanced swiftly and suspiciously around at her inquisitorial squad, her bulging eyes resting for a moment on Malfoy, who was too slow to disguise the look of eagerness and greed that had appeared on his face. Umbridge contemplated Hermione for another long moment then spoke in what she clearly thought was a motherly tone. All right, dear, that's just you and me, and we'll take Potter too, shall we? Get up now. Professor, 
said Malfoy eagerly. Professor Umbridge, I think some of the inquisitorial squad should come with you to look after... I am a fully qualified ministry official, Malfoy. Do you really think I cannot manage two wantless teenagers alone? Said Umbridge sharply. In any case, it does not sound as though this weapon is something that school children should see. You will remain here until I return and make sure that none of these, she gestured around at Ron, Ginny, Luna, and Neville, escape. All right, said Malfoy, looking sulky and disappointed. And the two of you can go ahead of me and show me the way, said Umbridge, pointing at Harry and Hermione with her wand. Lead on. And that's the end of our chapter for today. That's the end of chapter 32. We did it. We're here. Oh, man, we are deep into it now. So, Harry trying to get to Sirius, doing the best that he can to to make it happen. Unfortunately, who is it that is his downfall once again? Umbridge, of course, but there's Malfoy and Crab and Goyle all of a sudden to help harsh his mellow. <laughs> it did feel like a quick one today, didn't it? Lots of dialogue, lots of, you know, quickly speaking... Um, you know, people, you know, shouting instructions and such. Did feel pretty quick. And as a matter of fact, we're probably going to call it a little bit early today. Um, I would say we're going to keep going with our, you know, we're going to do our regular, you know, post stream discussion and such. If you are watching this on, um, on YouTube, this is the premiere, which means I'll very shortly be going live on Mixer. You can find the links down below. If you are watching this live or listening on Mixer or Discord right now, that means... It's time for discussion. Let's go back to the library. Ash says, Malfoy can harsh anyone's mellow. And Beans cannot forget the Beans. Which, I don't know if my roommates are still watching, but Beans will probably weird them out. I don't think they know about that one. Um, and uh, I, wanted to, I wanted to come back to a couple of quick things that I spotted in chat uh, from Discord. Coop says, Creature's such a nasty piece of work. Yep. Um, Ash about uh, Winky in the movies. I do wish that. So essentially, here's what we're on: uh, the discussion of stuff that didn't end up in the movies, right? So the the house elves, a hugely important part of the books, hugely important part of the books, and there were some of them. Like obviously, we met Dobby, but there was so much more to them in the books. And uh, I am not one to like harsh movies because they didn't include everything from the books. But it is a great chance to say that the books are better in this respect. I'm not going to say that the movies are worse. I think I think that the movies did a good job sort of uh, with the dramaturgy of trying to distill these books. Clearly, we couldn't have this entire book in a movie. Wouldn't be possible. Um, but this is one of the great things about reading. We get to see the whole thing. We get, we get the whole picture. We get to see um, all of the activities of the various house elves. We get to see Creature as a fully fleshed out character, someone who has motivations. We're going to see a lot from him later on. Um, I'm, I'm going to try not to spoil anything, but you know, we we know that he's deeply driven by service and loyalty, but not to people like Sirius Black or Harry Potter. Um, Clearly, the clearly Sirius Black's mother played an enormous part of his past, and so he holds a lot of loyalty for her. I got 
Ash has got beans and then she put a, what is that, birds of prey gif in there? But uh, yeah, we've got um, we've got um, creature. We've got other house elves who played an enormous part of of the the books. Um, Winky being a prime example. You know, we don't see nearly as much about uh, her and her struggles um, because I think they were. You know, Winky was one of the ones who really humanized uh, house elves. She was one of the ones who really gave the impression um, that. House elves aren't a just you know servile you know parts of the environment like creature kind of is is uh is distilled down into for the movies, and they're also not sort of like just sort of goofy happy go lucky um uh Dobby all the time being separated um uh, separated uh, and and feeling the grief of that separation is something that really humanized uh, house elves and we saw that most clearly in Winky. Um, and then finally, of course, um, I saw somebody mention, I think it might have been Coop, uh, we got to see a lot less of Ginny in the movies. Now, admittedly, Ginny's one of the ones that even in the books I would love to have, have, have gotten a lot more experience with because she is she is clearly one of the tougher individuals here. She is one of the, the uh, incredibly loyal ones, and we're going to be seeing more from her later on. We'll, we'll, we'll definitely get more Jenny Weasley. But do we get enough? I don't know. I think if I if we had a spin-off series, I would love to see what she gets up to like later in life. And even, you know, what the what her life was like here at Hogwarts and how these different events affected her. Because she sort of weaves in and out of these various stories. But, um, you know, I imagine, well, that's spoilery. Here's the thing. Oh, hold on, really quick. First of all, uh, <laughs> Bellbird says, finally got to listen to one all the way through in person. Congrats, Bellbird. Very glad that you're here tonight. Um, then Ash says, I was uh, peeved because there was no peeves in the movies. That one, that one has has been amusing. I don't think he's quite as much of like a fleshed out character, but he was certainly like a fixture of Hogwarts and something that really enhanced the overall experience of Hogwarts as a wildly magical place. Um, but yeah, we've got uh, we've got you know Ginny and we've got Luna, um, and I don't want to get too far into spoiler territory here because I certainly could. Um, as many of you know, I started this as this this reading out loud, my first read through of these doing it out loud was um with uh secret agent Cass or my lovely assistant Cass whatever it is y'all y'all like to know her as right now um we did this uh when we were doing long distance because eventually I, I felt like it was weird just sitting there um uh talking like sitting there on the phone not saying anything because eventually you just run out of stuff to say about your day um so we started reading the Harry Potter series and right now I have continued the series with her, and right now we are in book seven, in like the last few chapters of book seven, which feels weird, but we're plodding along, and uh, yeah, we get to we get to see a lot of, of certain characters that we didn't necessarily know before. I seen a Wookiee. Peeves. Hey. <laughs> there it is. There's the Wookiee. <laughs> I didn't see it. I didn't see Wookiee pop in. 
Good eyes, Ash. Hi, Wookie. How's it going? Yeah, who's here now? Who's here now as of the end of the chapter? Uh, Siori, Scuva, Rachel, MMP, Luke, Joseph, Jade, Heartbook, Doc, Debbie, Coop, Bellbird, Ashling. And then we've got the uh, the people in Mixer who I don't know exactly who's here. I know Tybo, Mr. Foose was on here before, Michelle. Um, yeah, I don't know who all who all is in here. I don't get the, the same list of names as I did before. But um, no, it definitely won't be Mr. Bean. But yeah, Wookie, I hope you're doing well. Okay. Yep, Michelle's still in Mixer. Hi, Michelle. Witchy Witch. Witchy Witch 6694. All right. Um, let's see. I do want to get I want to get at least one solid. Good, Wookie. Yeah, I hope you're I hope you're feeling okay. Um I want to get at least one solid uh, sort of chatter break esque question in here because this chapter really was like it felt like it went really quick. We went from from uh, the end of one class, uh, and over the course of you know this whole thing probably this whole chapter probably took place over the course of half an hour, maybe even less. Umbridge, <laughs> secret serious lover, Wookie. I'm not even sure what's going on here. There's some sort of there's some sort of inside thing going on that even I'm not aware of, and that's perfectly all right. Okay, what do we want to talk about? Talk about for our chatter break. We've always we've always seen Hermione be kind of the the cautious one. She's the one who wants to verify. She's the one who wants to understand before getting too far into some nonsense. And uh, we have seen we've seen this frequently um but here in this chapter it feels like a waste of time right it feels like you know she's she's trying to put a pause on things that uh that are really time sensitive amundi says hey great stream in a past chapter didn't sirius give harry a thing to uh to y'all to him with talk to him with i imagine was the uh, the intent there um and the answer is yes. There is a there is a, a piece of broken mirror. Yep, Coop just got it. Coop just put it in the Discord. Um, yeah, there's a a piece of broken mirror that was going to let Harry talk with Sirius. Um, and you know, I, I again, like, I want you to think about this. And Luke Luke says, we'll get back to this one, I suppose. Uh, my question is, Ron useful at all? We'll get back to that one. First, though, um, this piece of broken mirror. I want you to imagine the state. He never thinks of it, says MMP. Imagine the state that Harry's in. Imagine you, for instance, fall asleep. You fall asleep during an exam. And then suddenly you get a phone call from the police saying that, you know, something has happened to your parents or something. That's kind of where we're at. That's kind of where Harry's at here. You wake up to this phone call. And suddenly you are thrust so deep into like, gotta go action right now. Gotta do things. Gotta, gotta, gotta make moves here. Um, that I, I can't imagine sort of what's going through his mind and more importantly, what's not going through his mind, which I think would include this uh, piece of broken mirror. Um, Coop says, didn't he give him a whole mirror, but it broke in the trunk? I don't remember. I think so, says Wookie. 
Um, that sounds more right because I don't believe it was originally broken. I think you're right about that, but I don't remember exactly what the timeline is regarding the the piece of mirror. All we know is that um, I believe Harry wrapped it in a sock or something back in his back in his stuff. Ash says my reaction would be to ask if my parents um, if my parents suffer, but I'm not close to my mom. Um, Wi-Fi connection is so bad. Sorry, Siori. Um, yeah, I think there would be like, it would, it would just be a lot of high intensity stuff. You would feel like you have to, you have to go do something right now. And, uh, there's one thing we know about Harry as well. He is, of course, he kind of is action driven. He's not typically one to like sit down and plan things, which has been occasionally a challenge for him before. You know, we've seen, we've seen it cause him some trouble. Bellbird says he jumps the gun. Not far off. Yeah, not far off the mark there. Oh, Ash says the mirror broke later, but no spoiler. Okay, that's my bad. Okay. Everyone ignore the mirror. Don't pay attention to the mirror. <laughs> I don't remember exactly what the, the mirror timeline is. Rats. Anyway. Um, yeah, Coop says impulse control is not his strong suit. And that's true. And we have seen this work very well for, for Harry in, in certain instances. Um, and uh, yeah, Michelle in, in Mixer is bringing up, the, bringing up Ron again. Let's, let's, let's cover that. Michelle says, Ron is useful. He's got Harry's back no matter what. The support of true friends is always useful. Yeah, I think in this scene, he, uh, he's not necessarily at his, at his uh, top form, I guess I would say. Um, he has he has sort of it seems like he's somewhat resigned to his fate here uh, i also get the sense that he doesn't have his wand on him um typically he's the one to kind of throw down most most quickly out of harry's group other than harry himself sometimes depends on what the situation is sometimes the depending on the particular brand of stimulus ron goes at it first or harry does luke says i agree that he's useful but mostly mostly as emotional support yeah, I think um, Ron has always been. Ron is a funny brand of emotional support, right? He he is he's the one to um, kind of legitimize Harry the most often. Um, he's the one to to kind of say to Harry, like, you know what? If you if you feel like this is a, an instinct that we need to cover, then let's let's do something about it. Um, which can tend to feed into Harry's overall desire to take actions quickly. Wookie says that they've, uh... <laughs> oh, so Wookie and Ash, you really are here together, huh? Ron is uh, useful as he holds all of Harry's secrets. He's Harry, ride or die. <laughs> Taibo says Ron is accidentally useful. Bye, Siori. I see. Um, so... Yeah, I think we, we find that Ron is often often the one who sort of is is willing to go with Harry on things and is to is there to, to really reinforce. Uh, we talked about this explicitly in one of the earlier books. He is most often there as the one to say, what, whatever you decide, we, let's do this. Whatever you decide, like, let's make this happen. Um, and Hermione is often the one who says, like, let's let's hold on a second. We need to 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 verify this first and make sure that we don't get into any more trouble than we already are. And we've talked before about how that makes both of them good friends in very different ways. That makes both of them good friends to Harry. Um, Hermione's the the one that that uh, 
really operates oftentimes as Harry's, sometimes his conscience, sometimes as his, um, <laughs> uh, sometimes just as the part of his brain that is a little bit more developed, I guess, um, and is willing to sort of look at an entire situation and recognize the different risks involved. And Ron is the is the the variation on a good friend that is uh, is willing to to really be clear about his loyalty about his willingness to to go whatever distance that Harry needs to go in order to to uh, you know succeed or protect the people that are important to them. Tybo says, "Devil and angel on the shoulders." Yeah, it's kind of funny. We've got two he's got two angels on his shoulders, and they both argue constantly. Luke says, I can't get my wife into Harry Potter no matter how hard I try. Sorry, Luke. Some things just uh, can't cross the lines. You just can't can't uh, wrangle people in. It's funny because, yeah, there are there are a couple of things like that. Like, um, you know, recently I, I was talking to a friend about Avatar The Last Airbender. And, boy, it, it, it just baffled me how somebody could, could uh, watch that and go, eh. Or even you know watch you know watch some of it and say like I just can't can't get into it, but it's you know there are, these things happen for everyone, different stuff for everybody, and there have been so many things like that for me that I just couldn't really get into, like I wanted to. Luke says I did get her into Avatar. <laughs> Fantastic, good good good. And uh, Wookie and uh, Wookie and Ash. Sitting in a tree. <laughs> Michelle says, my hubby likes it, but not like a diehard like me. And yeah, Coop, got to get your lady in here. Debbie, good night. See you next week. Um, before anybody else uh, heads out, I should let y'all know that we are... I'm, I'm considering doing these streams a bit earlier. What are, what are people's thoughts about that? Um, it seems like if I did these about two hours earlier, it might work better for some people. Um... But uh, I am curious how people feel about that. Ash and Wookie together for over 20 years. Congratulations to y'all. Well done. And Bellbird is asking, what am I doing after Harry Potter? And that is an excellent question. I'm not sure. That's a great question. Um, there are, you know, there's there's more Harry Potter to look into. I'm not sure that I necessarily want to go that route. It seems like, um, I don't know, it seems like there has been a lot of, um, I don't know, a lot of variation in uh, acceptance, in the reception of those. Um, <laughs> Bellbird says, can you do Xanth, please? And Jade says up to you you're the driver we just ride in the sidecar i gotta get a gif of that that y'all can y'all can pop up on the screen when we need it but uh just the that that fantastic gif of the um the, the goofy silly sidecar from uh aristocats that the dogs ride around in it ends up with a haystack on it at one point which he says if i have to close at work i'll miss it i see okay I guess it doesn't make a ton of sense to ask exclusively the people who are here, which because it means that if you're here, it means this schedule is the one that works well for you. Coop says, my daughter's 14, had her in my late 30s. You're not old. <laughs> yeah, that's not old. 
That's not old. I'm actually, I'm wondering if I think it's possible that my lovely assistant is asleep. <laughs> Hold on. I have to go check because we got about 10 minutes left, which means it's time for beans. This means beans. You know, this means beans, that great uh, 30 seconds to Mars song. I'll be right back. Ignore that joke. I'll be right back. Got to go see if my assistant is available. All right, folks. Bound by a sense of duty. <laughs> I need to hear. I need to hear. Uh, I need to hear a hand in in uh, chat for for my lovely assistant because yes, she was asleep, and I told her like it's fine. I, I can just do it myself if need be. I can just shut my eyes and pop one in. Um, but no, she has determined that she wants to do it. She says no, it's my job. No, it's my job. Morning beans. Um, Showery Crib says, would you want to do another store that's popular, like Artemis Fowl, or however you spell it? I believe you did spell it correctly. Or something more like the Rum Diaries. Percy Jackson would be neat, too. I think Percy Jackson might be the one that lands on my list, because that has been one of the most requested, like, of all, like, since I started doing this. Percy Jackson has been one of the most requested. Um, and so, like, that one is definitely near the top of my list for, for what's next. I'll likely be putting a, a poll up just to see, you know, just in case like something else miraculously outweighs Percy Jackson. Um, but uh, I do know that one. That that one's definitely in my sights, as it were. Oh man, my lovely assistant is making a titan effort. Welcome, my I assistant. Why would you do that? My bookcase. Oh, gotcha. Um, okay, they're in the drawer. All right, so everyone. If you've been around, you know what this is. As a thank you for everyone who has, uh, you know, shared this channel around or told friends about it, I want to show my appreciation. Oh, why would you do it though? Don't do that. Don't do that. That's very bad. Um, I want to show my appreciation by uh, diving into a vat of Birdie Bot's Every Flavor Beans, and uh, we can go ahead and watch as I reel in terror and try to use my janked up palate to suss out what bean is this. What bean is this? One day a mix-up of Percy Jackson in the land of the lounge lizards? Or the disco suit? <laughs> what do you say? Maybe I will. I'll have to look into Xanth, because I don't think I've ever even heard of Xanth, Bellbird. Oh, lordy, that was loud. Hey, as soon as... Hold on. Time out. Who's that? <laughs> Drew. <laughs> Hold on, I have a suspicion I know who this is. But Drew, welcome to Scooter Patrol. Welcome to Scooter Patrol, Drew. Okay, here we go. Let's do it for real. I'm ready. You can just bot me on the nose. Oh. Okay. It is a high, says Showery Crib. What? I'm confused. Glutton for punishment. Okay. We're in luck. This is a good one. Let's see. Hmm. 
It's a good one, but tough to identify. I want to say it's some fruity flavored thing. Hmm. Hmm? No. Yeah. I'm going to go for, what is it, like pina colada? What was the, <laughs> what's the, uh, the, the milkshake one? Like banana blueberry milkshake or something? Yeah, I think so. I guess it could have been peach. All right. Well, I'm 0 for 1. I, I, I got a flat wrong. <laughs> I don't think I need an asterisk, just flat wrong. Um, and uh, we, there's no, there's no McQuakeway in here today. She's missing it. That's right. Uh, I don't see him. <laughs> okay, let's do number two. Um, so, throughout our, uh, throughout the week, um, thank you all. Oh very much for joining me on tuesdays we do vintage sidecar which means that we are um running through classic works of literature right now um, we are in the middle of frankenstein and i've been loving it <laughs> back up <laughs> oh man oh boy oh that one okay it's not as bad as i thought it just hit me really powerfully um it's that green pepper thing. My lovely assistant cannot stand the smell of like bell peppers. Oof. Bellbird, maybe Dracula after Frankenstein. There's a lot more to Frankenstein than I sort of than I sort of initially anticipated. Um, but uh, after we do Frankenstein, I'll be putting up a vote for what we should do next. So yeah, keep an eye on that. Um, Hmm. It's a it's sort of a, a kind of a bitter sort of a chemically bitter kind of Are taste. They all like that? <laughs> no, not not quite. Like this one is like like I kind of want to say black pepper, but the last black pepper was super black pepper. This one's like black pepper on cleaning solution. Mhm. Mm yeah, it's rough. But I feel like maybe it's just supposed to be black pepper and just the, the ratios are weird. Um, Rachel says I can relate to the hatred of peppers. You have a bud. Hmm. <laughs> Fellow pepper hater. Um, straight up, I've got no idea. That one I'm going to have to go with, I mean, pepper Drano. Um, let's see. What's my final answer here? No, it's going to, my. I'll just go with pepper, I guess. Because that's the one it tastes most, most did like. Yeah, that's my final answer. Dirty dishwasher. Dirty dishwasher. See, I should have, because there was like, I said, I know, I come on. Come on. Come on. Drew is uh, suggesting Dracula by Bram Stoker, and that one will certainly be uh, available on the vote, for sure. Um, that one, I would love to get some Jane Austen in there, because I find her hilarious. She writes the funniest dialogue. She's very, very funny. Boring. 
Wookie says, LMAO, Pepperdrano, good for cleaning out the palate. <laughs> it's a good, it's a good chaser. It's a good chaser because nothing's getting stuck. Okay. Pepperdrano, what the Hogwarts? Okay. Yeah, Bellbird, I'm glad you can be in here. Okay. Shall we do another one? All right. Oh, boy. All right, so what else do we get up to? I did I did talk a lot. Um, we are also uh, running through Disco Elysium right now. That was an unusually large bean. It feels like it's got about one... It's got about a, a quarter more mass than, than the usual beans do. That's I don't love that. Um, we're running through uh, an RPG called Disco Elysium, which has been a lot of fun. Uh oh. RPG. Is it? Disco Elysium? Yeah. yeah. RPG? Yeah. It's a it's a role playing game that can be used to describe basically anything. From by the way, Witchy, I'm not sure what's going on with um, the mixer bot. Um, it has like it booted you from chat. It was not happy with it. Don't worry, I can still see it. But uh, yeah, which which something from Dickens is oh sure yeah so Charles, so that's last name? that's why yeah you're getting in trouble for saying an author's name <laughs> no 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 Dickens for you we'll just refer to him as Chuck from now on no let's call him Boz that was his original uh, pen name we'll call him Boz for right now um I don't we're playing Disco Elysium it is a uh, an RPG where we are solving crimes in a retro future seventy. <laughs> Don't look at me like that. I know I know that you pulled this one intentionally. It's vo <coughs> I was going to say it's vomit or rot rotten egg. It's de <coughs> <laughs> Not sausage. Definitely rotten egg. Um, I <coughs> oh, this is bad. Ooh. Oh. I gotta chew it up near the front because apparently it's the back of my tongue that's that is that holds all the receptors for that one. Oh, my eyes are watering everything. Homie, that sucks. Oh, <laughs> oh no, I don't want to do it. Cause to get it down, it has to go past the back of my tongue, and the back of my tongue is is sort of the bad place when it comes yeah, to this one. Just like, <laughs> like toss, toss it in the air. It's. It's in bits now. Oh, okay. I just drained it. That's it. It's done. I've got no water. No, I need water. Actually, it's not lingering too badly. Okay, we're okay. We're okay. It's not lingering too badly. So, Wednesdays, check out um, uh, Disco Elysium. And then I'm also doing uh, a very cool project that I have. I'm, I'm looking at the schedule right now. Go ahead, and if you're in the Discord, you can go ahead and find uh, the Dungeon World um, down in the RPG setup. It'll be on the on the the very bottom of that stack of different channels. Go ahead and jump into the Dungeon and you Dungeon World channel, and you can vote for uh, like what the best time is for you out of the options that are the best for me. Um, and we can sort out when you might be able to jump in there because I am running an RPG for chat, so you can join one of the three teams and play as one of those characters. No, she's not going to be there for that one. That's going to be uh, a bit earlier in the day. <laughs> All right. 
Here we go. This is uh, number four, yes? Oh, no. I believe yeah, this, is, this is bean number four. Yeah, we need uh, scorekeeper Michaela. Ugh. Ooh, that was bad. I'm glad it's not lingering because it was a particularly bad one. I think it might have just been placement. I didn't get my nose bop. Where's my nose bop? I just sloughed it. You need like a little... No, you would shatter my teeth. But I was going to say you need a tiny little slingshot. <laughs> so just like as I'm talking, just like... <laughs> Coop says we should have given Hermione a bad bean. Then she could have cried. For the for the for the scene here, she was fake crying. Yeah, it's another bad one. Maybe it's another bad one, or it's supposed to be good with like. No, I can't tell. Oh, this is the suck. Okay, hold on. Hold on. Work with me here. By the way, Michelle, I have not forgotten you. So, Boz, a.k.a. Um, Charles Dickens, I enjoy his stories, but the way that he writes is nearly impenetrable. Um, I don't have enough time to, like, go through. And if I were only doing this, I would have time. But as it is now, I don't have time to go through and read, like, pre-read everything. So a lot of this is, like, the first time I'm reading this ever in the case of Frankenstein. Well, not ever in the case of Frankenstein, but, like, first time in, in probably five years that I'm reading it. For Harry Potter, it's the first time in, for right now, I would say probably a year or two that I'm reading this. Um, but... Charles Dickens, the way that he writes is so dense and there's so many overlapping clauses. I don't know that I could handle it in this sort of live reading. Sometimes I get to the end of sentences in Frankenstein and I think like, okay, hold on. I'm not sure exactly what I just read. I hope I got the inflection right. I feel like I wouldn't even make it through full sentences for Charles Dickens. <laughs> rubber frost famous for writing blah 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 now i want to i want you to warm it up really get those really awaken those flavors all right sounds like it hence why i said don't ramsey him ramsey what about what's ramsey about gordon ramsey all right here we go i just want one good one tonight Mm. Mm. At least this one's normal sized. Yeah, so unfortunately Charles Dickens might not end up on there. But I would love to do like ooh, you know what would be fun? Um to pick one in between longer works where I do a um um uh, some some Mark Twain short stories. Those would be fun. Yeah. Alright, here we go. Um, last bean of the night. Um, what are you out of water? Now you know how I feel. Once again, it's a weird chemical. This will be. This will be like dish 
This will be dishes again. I think I got dishes again. Yeah. Spoiled milk. Spoiled milk. I have trouble with that spoiled milk one. <sighs> yeah, sorry. It's tough. I gotta I gotta give y'all more uh, sort of flavor cues on these things before I before I try and guess. Wasn't sausage. We haven't gotten a sausage one in a minute. Oh, that's right. That's right. The sausage was from the other box. And, and since I re-upped, I don't have that. Uh, they didn't come in this batch. Spoiled milk. Oh. <laughs> one, one of them decided to take a pit stop at the very back of my tongue. Just a little bit of it. I tried to swallow the whole thing, and, and uh, I haven't had a bit of water in a while. So it just sort of, just sort of pumped the brakes right there and just sat there for a second. Oh. oh man, my eyes are watering. Oof. Okay, that's it. I am super good at getting the beans wrong. Good at getting beans wrong. Oh, that's there's my best Adele for you. Somebody popped Adele in the chat. Hello from the other side, right? That's right. Don't you challenge me on my Adele knowledge, woman? What you thinking about? Hi, Blue. Yeah, me too. Okay. When did a minute become a long time? I don't know. What was I talking about a minute about? Oh, I'm, I probably said, like, I haven't had, we haven't, yeah, I, I, I probably said I haven't had a sausage bean in a minute. And I don't know, but yeah, I did enter, like, it suddenly became something that you could describe uh, longer periods of time with. Like, I haven't had this in a while. But I'm not sure. It's always funny. Drano beans, for example. Oh, <laughs> Drano beans, for example. Um, we need a dark side of the bean. Yeah, what's a what's a good... What's a, what are good lyrics that I could goof up? It's one of my favorite pastimes. Anyway, no, I am going to call it, I'm going to, I'm going to cut it a little short today. We're, we're about 20 minutes short of the hour, but I do think I'm going to call it here. Um, thank you so much for listening. Uh, I really appreciate it. And next week we'll be back. I'm going to take a, excuse me. Oh boy. Oh boy. They're sitting weird. Don't love that. Don't love that. They're sitting weird. Um, I'm going to be taking a look at the page numbers, like the like how many pages there are in the next few chapters. So we'll see how many chapters that we can do um, in an evening. Uh, I'm going to try and pay more attention to when... I'm going to, I've got to start doing it by word count is what needs to happen. Because when you've got a lot of dialogue, there's a lot of white space between dialogue, which means that one page of dialogue and one page of like action description can be very different things. So I've got to start going by page numbers. We'll see. We'll see exactly how many page numbers... How many son of a gun gotta start going by word count anyway that's what i'm gonna do i'll see you next week um uh yeah keep an eye on uh keep an eye on discord i'll put a i'll put in a uh a poll here so we can sort out like what uh what would be a good time to continue to do these um if now's the best time then now's the best time tally ho but uh i hope y'all have a great week and i will see you later I thought tonight went really well. Bye-bye, everyone. <laughs>